Beyondcast. This is Nelwyn. We're discussing creativity and the great beyond. I discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key. This is episode 113. How is everybody doing today on this fantastic last podcast of May? Heading into uh, the nice long three-month summer of June and also an epic summer of gaming that is coming down the pipe. Uh, Of course, ahead on the show, you know, we're going to be discussing everything that was announced at the PlayStation Showcase. And that was that was a big show. I really enjoyed it. I had heard online some mixed feelings about it. Um, And then we even got a little bit of a stir in the pot from Xbox. But, you know, we're going to get into all that. I want to start off with a little bit of life updates. Uh, the Really, the only thing that's been going on this week is that my wife and I started beach volleyball. Uh, you know, we were in our regular Wednesday volleyball league, and then this Wednesday, uh, we started beach. And I got to say, that was really bad. We, we really, really sucked. It was a cold night. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and we went and played in our bare feet, and it was freezing. Thankfully, I wore a sweater and long pants, but I was in bare feet with socks on, running around in the sand and I had I couldn't get my bearings together. I was so preoccupied by the cold that I, I played a terrible game and I don't know what it was. I think a combination of the wind and just the temperature and it was just throwing off my game or throwing off everybody's game. Nobody was able to play. The other team beat us in three games, essentially. Uh, they took us in two. We almost had them in the third. We were ahead by like 10 points and then we gave it up. Oh my god, it was a terrible comeback. It could have had it, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? There's always next week. Uh, so now we're going to be playing, at least for the next couple of weeks, uh, beach volleyball. And hopefully the weather starts to turn around and then we have less of these 10 o'clock games uh, because the 10 o'clock games are too cold. I feel like the cutoff should be like 9 o'clock. Uh, it's way too late. I do want to get into a couple of things that I've uh, you know, been getting into this week. I started a new show. I finished an old show, and I've been continuing on my progress in one game. So let's start off with the show that I finished. Today was actually the final episode of The Flash, uh, and ultimately the capping off the end of the Arrowverse. And I gotta say, it was a mixed bag. I, th- I felt like, obviously, the, uh, the build-up, the antagonist sort of build-up was a little rushed. I think that the heart of the story, of course, was the fact that it culminated to the birth of Nora, which is Barry and Iris's first kid, um, and then ev- eventually uh, sort of the future past the Arrowverse. But it was a satisfying conclusion to nine years uh, that culminated in a pretty epic battle between Team Flash and and basically all of his biggest, baddest villains that he's fought over the course of nine years, like mainly the speedsters. Uh, so it was like it's an evil speedster villain team. And they were, you know, quite underwhelming, to be honest. You know, they were getting killed by people that weren't even the Flash, and it was kind of embarrassing. But um, the sort of reveal as to the true villain of at least this season was a little bit of a shock, uh, for sure. It was a character that we've long seen and has been pretty built up as somewhat of a hero, a tragic hero that sort of turned villain just for the sake of, you know, the, they needed somebody to fill that void that had some sort of close personal connection to the flash all in all, you know what I mean? They had to wrap the season up somehow and they did it in 13 episodes. And so they kind of did this as a four part episodic, uh, that goes into these sort of killings at the hands of a villain called cobalt blue, which, 
you know, is is a is a prominent villain in the Flash universe, and actually, I think is a is the brother of Eobard Thawne, who is a Reverse Flash. I think so. There's ties there. I felt like it was a pretty kind of mixed bag of an ending. It had some high highs, some low lows, and I think that the that ultimately, you know, I've been watching this show almost ten years uh, since the beginning. It long surpassed Arrow, at least by a, a year. And it ultimately ended up being the show that would close out the Arrowverse for good. You know, Superman and Lois, Gotham Knights are sort of living in their own little Elseworlds story. So Flash was really the only remaining sort of facet of that universe. You know, with Batwoman being cancelled not too long ago, as well as Legends of Tomorrow. It seems as though the Arrowverse has come to an end. But, you know, depending on how James Gunn sort of builds up his DC universe... Would there be hope for some of these actors to reprise their roles in the future? You know, the door is there, and I think the actors are more than game to return to those roles because those are the roles that kind of built them up, I'd say. Um, Stephen Amell who, as Green Arrow and Grant Gustin as The Flash, I think that they're always going to have ties to these characters. And so I, I, I can see them playing a version of it sometime in the future, uh, for sure, uh, whether it be in movie, another television show, something like that. All in all, you know, not too bad. Not too bad of an ending, but uh, now that era is over, unfortunately. Um, there was also uh, a, the show that I started watching this week called Red Rose on Netflix. And it's sort of this, like, teen horror thriller drama about the, uh, these kids that are being, put like, haunted by this sort of mysterious app that is called a Red Rose. And it's sort of telling them to do these certain tasks otherwise something will befall them that's like you know really bad or something like that and it ends up taking the lives of one of the one of the friends of this close-knit circle of teenagers and they're trying to uncover the mystery of of where this app came from and who's behind it i'm only about three episodes in it seems like it's getting interesting i'm wondering if it's going to have some weird twists probably find out who's responsible for the app it's just something that I like decided to start because I wanted, I wanted to give Netflix a bit more of a chance. If I'm going to be paying for the app, I, I figure I should try at least watching some content because I have been kind of swayed away from watching a lot of stuff on Netflix uh, as, of, as of recently because the content that's been available hasn't really been the greatest. But I'm also realizing that I'm coming to the summer and I don't have a lot on my list in terms of movies and shows that I've watched. And so I've got to kind of build that list a bit better. Finally, uh, the game that I've been progressing a little further ahead in is Chia. Uh, now I'm about, I'd say, eight to ten hours into it. And I'm starting to get a bit of a feel for the flow of of not only combat, but traversing around the world. And I'm getting a lot more comfortable with the controls. I seem to be noticing now where the story is going. And I feel like I'm getting to a point where I'm at least either past the halfway point where it seems as if I'm, I'm well into the comfort areas of combat. And funny enough, it's not like uber challenging to sort of, you know, combat these like cloth like enemies that, that seem to be taking over the world. You're kind of entering into these areas and very reminiscent of something like Spider-Man, for example, or Spider-Man Miles Morales. You're kind of in these like encampment areas where you have to do a certain number of objectives. You got to take out fabric towers. You got to take out cloth enemies. You got to destroy sentinels. And you're kind of like sneaking around the world doing this. 
Um, and it reminds me a lot of Sp- Spider-Man Miles Morales in that Mo- when you played as Miles Morales, you were overpowered. You could kick an enemy's ass and then jump to the ceiling and just disappear because Spider-Man Miles Morales, you could have the ability to go invisible, whereas in Spider-Man 2018, you, you didn't have that ability. Much like in Chia here, you can, you know, you can turn into like a ball of, you can turn into like a stick of dynamite, blow up uh, fabric or b- blow up uh, fabric towers, and then you can just shapeshift into something else and just run away. And so that it makes the game a little easier in that regard. But, you know, there's still the threat of like keeping away from those enemies, especially sentinels that can kind of shoot fabric at you and, and drop your stanima, which that is sort of like your uh, health meter in this game is if you lose your stanima, you essentially lose your health, but it always recharges. So it's it's not too stressful, but you got to kind of keep that in mind when you're sort of traversing the world is that you got to keep an eye on your stamina just as much as you keep an eye on uh, your ability to stay under the cover of a disguise uh, as you're maneuvering around the world and completing these objectives. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I do plan on going back to it at some point this weekend, and hopefully I will be able to push a little bit further to finish the game so I can move on to some of the other games that are on my list. Now, I think it's about time that we get to our main story for this week. As you guys know, as I talked about last week, the hotly anticipated PlayStation Showcase came and went. And now we have a much clearer idea of what's coming down the pipe for PlayStation 5, PlayStation, even some stuff for PlayStation 4, as well as PC and PSVR 2. We got a lot more showcase there. We even got some new hardware. We got some new trailers, some new gameplay announcements. And we're going to go over everything right now, and I'll touch a little bit and give some of my opinions. And then at the end, I think I'll pick out sort of the top three things that I'm anticipating the most, or or even things that I was like, not only, you know, excited for, but like, were surprised by, because there were a lot of things that like, that stuck out that were, were like, oh, I'd give this a try. You know, it seemed very interesting. So first off, the PlayStation Showcase kicked off with a cinematic trailer for Haven, Haven Studios' uh, new game called Fair Games, which is being described as a competitive modern heist game where you team up to break into exotic locations and steal cargo. Uh, you know, my only comparison to this was like maybe Far Cry meets Payday is what the the vibe that I sort of got from this. I don't really have much of an opinion on this. It doesn't really seem like my forte of a game. Uh, much like the next game, you know, which was a third-person co-op sequel to a game called Helldivers which is from Arrowhead Game Studios, uh, the sequel to a game from 2015. I don't know much about Helldivers, but it seems to have a bit of a comedic spin because the trailer did have a little bit of humor to it. I'm not too familiar about Helldivers. I I don't actually know if it's like a multiplayer game, if it's a single-player game. I have to look a bit more into it. I think I missed it when it came out initially in 2015. Next up, there was another trailer for something called Immortals of Avium, uh, which is being published by EA, and it's due out in July. It's from Ascendant Studios. I don't remember this trailer too much. Uh, I think it was like a first-person magic shooter. I, I think it was similar to like Avowed in that I believe you can see the character's hands, and you're kind of like the perspective of like a first-person hand shooting game reminded me of like Skyrim. A little Bioshock in there as well. But people were comparing it to Avowed, like that first trailer we ever got for Avowed a couple of years ago. So I actually thought that's what this was, but then I realized that Avowed was over at Xbox. 
we got a trailer uh, for Ghost Runner 2, which is from 505 Games and One More Level. Honestly, the uh, the person in the trailer kind of looked like the version of Tinkerer from Spider-Man Miles Morales. So at first I'm like, what? And then I thought it was like a... I think I was I was watching PlayStation Drive do their, their live reaction and somebody compared it to like... I thought somebody compared it to Fortnite. I can't remember. But then they saw Ghost Runner and they were like, oh, I don't know if I was a fan of the first one. But I think the first Ghost Runner is on PlayStation Plus, so... I might give it a try and see what I think about it. Uh, the next one that looked really cool was a quickfire action RPG called Phantom Blade Zero. The developer for this game is called Cruel Man Zero. And it's sort of, I originally thought this was Lies of P, but then I realized that this was sort of like a steampunk samurai slasher, souls-like, almost like Wulong Fallen Dynasty, like intense action, like something like Platinum Games meets like a Ghost of Tsushima game. So very fast paced, very energetic action based. I think this is only on PlayStation 5 and PC. I, I don't remember, but it looked pretty cool. I, I thought this one was pretty cool as well. Another game that we got here uh, was from the developer of Abzu. This was a game that I actually did play. And the game is from Giant Squid Studios called Sword of the Sea. And your character uh, kind of is floating around in a desert and also an aquatic area on like a sword. And it is very reminiscent of Journey. In fact, this like when you, this first trailer dropped, the art and the world design was like eerily similar to Journey. And I'm like, oh, you know, I've seen a lot of Journey likes in the past. Even a game like Sable, even Abzu borrowed elements from journey well it's because you know journey is sort of set a precedent for these you know artsy type games where you have a silent protagonist and you kind of you know use the world and the music to sort of you know tell the story i played a game like that like omno was kind of similar to this as well which i played a couple of months ago sort of the sea definitely looks like it'd be up my alley because i really did enjoy journey and i did enjoy omno and abzu so i'll keep my eye on this one uh the next one which i really have no knowledge of uh is the talos principle 2 when i watched the trailer for this uh, a lot of people were comparing this to mist they thought this was mist 4 I think Mist is long gone. I don't. I, that's like one of those point-and-click adventure, uh, storybook adventure games from like the PC era. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to bring that back, and if they do, it's not going to be the same type of game. So Talos Principle, uh, this is another one that I'm not too familiar with. It's a bit of a smaller game, I'd say, but again, I'd have to go look it up. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't I know too much about it. The next game, though, uh, did look pretty cool. It's called Neva. Uh, and it's actually due out in 2024 from the developer of Grizz, uh, Nomada Studio, and Devolver Digital. This one had a pretty cool art style. The dog in the game, very reminiscent of like Okami. It was like a, almost like a dog. It, not, it's like a dog, but a deer as well. And then in the trailer, the deer, this big, massive deer seemingly dies. And there's like a kid deer that appears. Really, it, it's a beautiful looking game. I don't know what type of game this is going to be, if it's going to be like a side-scroller, if it's going to be an open world. My my bet is that it's going to be on a... It's going to be like a 2.5D like side-scrolling adventure game. That's just kind of the vibe I got from the art style. 
this one was kind of funny. This one got some ra- roaring hits over at uh, PlayStation Drive when they did their live uh, reaction. This was called Cat Quest Pirates of the Caribbean. And it's like a little adventure, almost like Age of Empires style cat pirate game, which means that we're going to get another pirate game that's going to be out before Skull and Bones. So that's pretty cool. So it's due out next year. Looks cute. Might be fun. Might not be my cup of tea, but I'll keep my eye on this one. And then Square Enix all of a sudden took to this game and decided, you know what? We're knocking at, at Xbox's door and saying we can release some PvP hits much like they can. But now we're going to go over to Nintendo and basically do something that is essentially Splatoon, but over at Sony. So Square Enix uh, came with this game called Foam Stars, which is essentially Splatoon, but as a foam party. You'd have to see it to believe it. I honestly didn't even know that. I like if not, Nintendo knocks on Square Enix's door with a copyright infringement release i would not be surprised because it honestly looked identical in style in terms of like gameplay even how the characters moved and how they shot it was essentially splatoon ripoff i don't know who's going to be playing this (laughs) you already have a better version in splatoon so we'll see then we got a new trailer for the plucky squire this was the devolver digital developed game this one honestly looks amazing this is like a side-scrolling like book but then you can pop out of the book into a 3D world. This trailer, this whole game looks really cool. And I think has the potential to be like a game of the year contender. Uh, I'm, I'm saying it right now. On the indie side, it's the best, one of the best looking indie games I've seen in a long time. You know, I, and like I've seen games like It Takes Two, which isn't a AAA title. It Takes Two won game of the year, uh, I think in 2021, I believe. This could be a game of the year contender. I don't think it'll be Tears of the Kingdom, but this is certainly this is certainly looking like it would be up there. It looks like a lot of fun, so I really hope that it knocks it out of the park. This next game is called Teardown, and it's essentially if you wanted to blow shit up in Minecraft. I made the I made a joke that it is essentially Michael if Michael Bay made a Lego game, uh, because it looks like you're just driving cars into buildings and blowing shit up. Like there's explosions everywhere. Uh, pieces of lego flying all over the place it does seem like a game where you just build shit up to kind of launch it and take down environmental things like buildings the other vehicles just things in the world so it looks insane then there was a surprise announcement one of the worst kept secrets in video games metal gear solid 3 is officially getting a remake and this is a remake that is going to be without hideo kojima so it hurts a little bit but the, the long-standing rumor that Metal Gear was getting a remake is true, and it seems like they're starting with Snake Eater. And this kind of time, they've called it Metal Gear Solid Delta. But it didn't, they didn't refer to it as Delta. It was just a green triangle. So people had to go online and look up what the triangle meant, and that's how we determined it was Delta. Oh, and also, it looks like we're getting a, a three-piece Metal Gear Solid collection of, I think, Metal Gear Solids 1, 2, and 3, all getting remastered and being ported to PlayStation as well as Xbox. But we'll talk about that a little later. Then we got a game uh, from developer Dreamlit Games, which is an open-world builder called Towers of Aghaspa. The only thing I remember from this trailer was that the main character was literally on a glider, like Zelda Breath of the Wild, jumping on giant flying like creatures. And then they sort of zoomed out to show this, like, the air was full of these giant flying creatures. And then it was like, Tower of Eggs, or whatever. 
And I'm like, okay, so this is just like Breath of the Wild. Okay, cool. <laughs> then we got the final trailer for Final Fantasy 16. And I got to be honest, I didn't watch most of it because I was actually pulled away on a phone call. So I didn't get a chance to watch uh, most of the trailer. But it's Final Fantasy 16. This game is going to score really well. It already looks really cool. Looks like a return to form for Final Fantasy. So I'm pretty excited for them. And it drops in uh, a couple of weeks, actually. I think end of June it's dropping. So that'll be exciting for Final Fantasy fans. Getting a brand new Final Fantasy that actually feels and plays like a Final Fantasy game-ish. Not like a turn-based Final Fantasy game, but like a more modern Final Fantasy action-adventure game. Sure. Now this one. I'm ready for this one. Remedy and Epic revealed the debut trailer, full trailer, for Alan Wake 2. And man, Alan Wake is looking rough. He does not look as like clean and prim and trim as he did in Alan Wake 1. He has been through the ringer and seen some shit. So this game is actually due out this year. I'm surprised that we actually got a release date for this game uh, and that it is so soon. Uh, October 17th, 2023. And so you're playing not only as Alan Wake, but as a new character called Saga, who is a police officer for uh, the town Bright Falls. I think it was Bright Falls that Alan Wake had uh, gone to, and that's sort of where he's trapped. And he looks like he's writing a story, but it looks like he's also adventuring in the world. So, ah, man, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this. But unfortunately, it's not on PlayStation 4, so I'm going to have to find a way to eventually get a PlayStation 5. I know. I know. Because there's so much good shit coming out, man. Then, this one was actually pretty cool. I'm actually excited that they're going this route. We got the first look at Assassin's Creed Mirage. Now, I actually don't remember if we have seen a trailer for Assassin's Creed Mirage before today. And this is like, giving me like some mad 2007 vibes. This is like, uber throwback to like old school Assassin's Creed. And I'm honestly, I'm here for it. And I'm so glad that Assassin's Creed is going this route. And it does seem like with Infinity around the corner and Ubisoft's plan to sort of make the sort of like Assassin's Creed universe that they're going to not only delve into the realm of like that open world uh, style of Valhalla, but they're going to also tie it back to smaller titles like Mirage, like the early Assassin's Creed games that feel more like traditional Assassin's Creed than what it ended up becoming. So I really love that they took their time to go back to the drawing board and to really flesh out a honest and true Assassin's Creed game. Uh, so this is the first Assassin's Creed game that I really feel is an Assassin's Creed game. And the main character actually looks like one of the assassins. Like, let's go. Finally. We're getting close, I think. We're about more than halfway done. Finji announced Revenant Hill, the debut game from that glory society. This essentially, I thought, was a, a sequel to Night in the Woods because the art style was essentially identical, but it's not. It's a brand new game. Then Psy Games Action RPG Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is due out this winter. This looks like... I, th I think this is like a Final Fantasy-like game. or No, Grand Blue, I think it's its own uh, game. But it's like Final Fantasy, but also looks like Genshin Impact. So maybe it's more along the lines of Genshin Impact. I don't know. This maybe I'll I'll keep an eye on it. I have been telling myself I'm going to hop into RPGs. You know, having the PlayStation Plus, there's a lot of free ones on there, like the East series, as well as Dra uh, Dragon Quest and some Final Fantasy. So you know, I I'm all talk to talk, but I gotta actually walk the walk, man, and and really jump into one of these. Street Fighter Six. Eh, I'm not a fighting guy so street fighter 6 it's going to be coming out next week so 
Um, we finally get to see if you know Street Fighter Six is going to be great. This game I actually missed as well because I was doing something else. It was called Ultros, and it looks like a psychedelic side-scrolling action game, maybe like Metroidvania-like. I, I think was the comparison. Uh, art style very reminiscent of like if Psychonauts just really kept taking more hardcore drugs. So v- very colorful, very wild. There was a launch trailer for a new game called Tower of Fantasy, which is an open-world RPG that comes out this summer. Yeah, I don't really know much more aside from that. We finally got a trailer for Dragon's Dogma 2. Let's go. Like Capcom is like Capcom is eating well right now. Not only are they having success with the revamped Resident Evil, but Dragon's Dogma is back. The game that I never thought would get a freaking sequel finally got a sequel and it's finally showing off. I guess it helped a little bit that Dragon's Dogma did have a bit of a surge in, a surge in popularity from that little mini series that was released on Netflix too, but uh, I don't think it got picked up for a second season. I think it was just like a one season mini of Dragon's Dogma. I only watched like five minutes of episode one and then I kind of dropped off. I'm like, anime is not for me right now. We got a sequel to Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted, which is due out late 2023. This was the one that was sort of like a bunch of mini games of Five Nights at Freddy's uh, wrapped into one. And then we got some PlayStation VR 2 games, including the hotly anticipated Resident Evil 4 that is in VR. That looks really cool. I Honestly, the next time I play a Resident Evil game, I would like to go back and play Resident Evil 7 in VR. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I have the VR headset now, so I might just do it. Then we got this funny, uh, apparently a sequel to a game called Arizona Sunshine, which looks like a very humorous, almost more humorous Dead Island. Uh, at one point, they, they showed a guy whacking some zombies with hands. I didn't. I have no idea what this game is, but it looks like a zany zombie game, much like Dead Island. So, I don't know. For a, a VR experience, that might be really cool. Then we got a game called Crossfire Sierra Squad, which looks like a, it looks like a shooter game, so... For the shooter fans out there, Synapse got a new trailer. This was revealed uh, late last year, uh, or was it early this year? I can't remember. I, whenever the last PlayStation Showcase was that showed off, showed off all those VR games, Synapse was one of the games in there, and it was sort of like a super hot VR in like black and white with some you know specks of color, and it's sort of like a heist, uh, like a mind heist game. Uh, so that might be cool for the PSVR two people. And finally, Beat Saber is coming to PlayStation VR 2, and they announced that Queen, they're getting a Queen music pack, which does include Don't Stop Me Now, which they did play in the trailer. I, I have pl- played and tried Beat Saber. It's a lot of fun. Very cool game. Uh, would love to try it some more. Bungie came out with another game. Aside from Destiny, they had a new trailer for one called Destiny 2 The Final Shape, and apparently Nathan Fillion is in the game. But then there was a brand new pvp sci-fi extraction shooter hold the phone guys they like i'm watching this and i'm like wouldn't it be funny if bungie comes out and announces marathon as a competitor to halo boom marathon and i'm like what the fuck they actually did it if you guys don't know i'm sorry for the gen z kids who don't know marathon was the first game that bungie had made that was essentially the predecessor to what would become halo Okay, so Marathon has just come back and is now going to compete with Halo. Not that it's going to be that much of a challenge at this point, because Halo Infinite is all but dead in the water. 
Um, I don't think that, that Xbox is doing much more with Halo at this point. Sony not only bought the creator of Halo, but they brought back Marathon from the dead. I thought that was such a cool trick. And again, Xbox also said Marathon's going to be coming to Xbox too. But again, we'll talk a bit more about that later. There's a new, another PvP uh, multiplayer first-person shooter from the newly purchased Firewalk Studios. Uh, that was one of the studios that Sony had just p- picked up. Actually, it was back in April, I believe, they picked it up. This was while I was off on my sort of like mental health leave. It's a game called Concord. I think I missed the trailer on this one too. And then one of the big announcements, which I, I only just got a glimpse of because I saw the, um, the earbuds... Um, but they announced Project Q, which is a DualSense controller with a screen powered by the cloud, uh, which is essentially meant to compete with the Switch, I guess. So I don't know. I don't know. And there's no price point for it, but I imagine it's probably going to be just as expensive as a freaking PlayStation 5. So, okay, Sony. I- I'm waiting to see what the price point is on this. And it's essentially like their equivalent of of what Xbox has, where you can kind of play the games on your phone on the go so a portable playstation 5 that is that's pretty cool that we're getting that we're getting that now from sony and then the gameplay trailer for spider-man 2 they more than 10 minutes of a gameplay trailer that was shown off and we got a lot we got the start reveal that craven the hunter is going to be a villain and he's going to be a big threat uh as he comes to new york to tussle with spider-man and spider-man Right, because there's two Spider-Mans in this game. So we knew Venom was going to be in the game. From that first trailer, we knew Venom was going to be in the game. But this trailer confirmed that at some point in the game, Peter Parker is going to possess a symbiote suit. And if the trailer follows similar to how things are going to go, you know, he will lose the suit and it will attach to Eddie Brock and Eddie Brock will become Venom. But they haven't shown Eddie Brock yet. They've talked about the fact that the, the symbiote was sort of created to help Harry Osborn, who is dying... So it's also possible that Venom could be Harry Osborn, but we don't know. We have no clue yet. What we got from this trailer was we got some uh, very cinematic action um, between uh, switching between Symbiote Spider-Man and Miles Morales as they're looking to chase down the Lizard, who has just uh, basically been running amok, and he's trying to escape from Kraven the Hunter, who's hunting him. Now, when I see Symbiote Spider-Man and I see Kraven, and taking myself out of this sequence here, my thought is they're going to try to attempt the Craven's Last Hunt storyline. I think that that would be really cool if that was what they did. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do, but this looks like it's going to be a pretty huge game compared to Spider-Man 2018. So I'm all for it. I'm excited about the fact that we're not only getting Craven, we're getting the Lizard um, and Venom. I think those are two, three really cool villains. But the way that this game just flowed, ebbed and flowed, and then switched between the two characters and the combat and just the the, uh, the cinematic experience that you got from just sort of swinging through New York. And the fact that when you switch to Miles and he actually has like almost like a slingshot and he can also fly like he's got the web arms. Man, this, this game is going to be, again, much like I said with Plucky Squire and with Tears of the Kingdom, this game is going to be competing for game of the year. I guarantee it. 2023 is shaping up to be a fantastic year for games. You think about what we've already gotten this year. Dead Space Remake, Resident Evil 4, Hi-Fi Rush, Tears of the Kingdom. And then we're going to be getting these games in the back half of the year. Like, it's, oh my God, we're eating good this year, guys. We're eating fantastic. 
this PlayStation showcase would not be complete without Xbox getting in on the fun. And they did. And I already kind of teased about with the, um, the discussion about Metal Gear and Marathon. But Xbox came out after the showcase and, and posted their own what a good looking group showing all the games from Xbox's announce or from PlayStation showcase that would also be coming to Xbox. So here are some of the games that have actually been confirmed will be available on the Xbox as well. Some of them are pretty big games. And like I mentioned, Metal Gear Solid, Delta, as well as I believe the collection, the three game collection, which is not on this list, Marathon, Immortals of Avium, Ghost Runner 2, uh, Dragon's Dogma 2, Alan Wake 2, Assassin's Creed Mirage, Talos Principle 2, Cat Quest, per, uh, Pirates of the Perbian, Neva, Plucky Squire, and Teardown are all on this list. But of course, you know, they're not getting Spider-Man. There's no way they're getting Spider-Man. But it just goes to show, guys, you know, Sony announced had, had a pretty solid uh, roster of games. Some stuff that's obviously not exclusive, and that's okay. But, like, Sony like Sony really does care about the games, and they are willing to release some pretty solid games uh, coming forward in the next couple of months. So I'm a, I'm a Sony fanboy, my guy. Like, I was with Xbox on the 360 days, but it's been a while, and, I, and I'm a dedicated PlayStation boy. You know, I, do, I am just a guy who wants to see some good games get released. And while I will admit that Xbox... And Nintendo both release great games. I I, I kind of sit myself at the tier list of Sony, Nintendo, Xbox, in that order. I don't count the PC market because I feel like it just plucks from all three. You know what I mean? And to be part of the PC master race, you have to essentially have like two, two grand plus to be able to spend on a perfect gra- graphics card. And I, I don't have the room in my house to have a modded PC to be able to play every single game imaginable. So I'm just sticking with the consoles for now until I become a multimillionaire and I can just spend all my money on PC parts. You know what I mean? I'm a man who's got to feed my kid and my kid to come and also keep the roof over my heads. So that's why I'm just playing PlayStation Plus Extra, right? I don't need all that fancy shit right now. I can get it later. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm happy for the gamers who would be able to play it right now. The guys who are super excited to play games like Tears of the Kingdom Day 1 are going to be the same people who are super excited to play something like Spider-Man 2, which also, as I mentioned, did not announce a release date. It only said late 2023. Uh, As much as Tony Todd, who the voice actor for Venom, seemed to tease it was going to come out September 2nd, Insomniac still has not confirmed that that is the case. So here's what I'm thinking. This game could drop in September. It could. Or it could wait till November and take a slot very similar to where God of War Ragnarok dropped. My bet is on something like a November 17th. I would still keep September 2nd in mind, but that does seem fairly close. And I still feel like there's a lot this game has to iron out to get to that point. That's why I feel like November or even like early December, November 17th is sort of where I'm landing with this one. I will keep that in the back of my mind and I will hope that we'll get a release date at least in the next like coming weeks I think we'll get a longer sort of Spider-Man direct sometime this summer Uh, my best guess is probably in like July or even August I think August would be a good time for it but for now I think we're eating pretty good and we're just going to take what we can get with some of the smaller news bits as we look forward to some of the upcoming releases in the next couple of months as well 
anticipate that we're going to get more summer game showcases. Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest is coming. Uh, we're going to get an Xbox uh, showcase at some point in the summer, probably in June. So June's going to be an, a fantastic month. And then, of course, as you know, July will be July and August is more for movies. So this summer is going to be great, again, for plenty of content coming down the pipe, which I'm super excited for. And I will be here to talk about it with you guys every step of the way. But like I said, PlayStation Showcase, banger, loved it. Let's move ahead. I do have one more story to discuss. A, a, it was originally just going to be all PlayStation Showcase stuff, and I was going to conclude it. But I thought this story was too cool to pass up. So in a recent interview with the director of The Flash, uh, Andy Muschietti, he actually just accidentally revealed a massive spoiler for a potentially, I'd say, infamous DC cameo, which com- comes completely out of left field. And it's not Michael Keaton. Okay, we know Michael Keaton's coming. He's going to be returning as Batman. But he was asked about working with Nicolas Cage. And he confirmed that he really, really enjoyed working with Nicolas Cage. We know Nicolas Cage played a superhero. He played Ghost Rider, right? But did you guys know that he was also supposed to play Superman in a in a film that was scrapped called Superman Lives back in the 90s? There was even like screenshots and videos. And there's a documentary by Kevin Smith that talks about Superman lives. Well, it seems like they're finally cashing in on that on that bet, and Nicolas Cage is actually going to reprise his role as Superman in in, in that never before seen film. But he's going to be showing up in the Flash uh, as sort of a multiversal Superman. That is a really cool kind of throwback to a classic and an era that is long lost. You know what I mean? Where we would have almost seen a James Cameron Spider Man film. It's the nineties, man. The 90s were just crazy. Nicolas Cage was almost freaking Spider- uh, was almost freaking Superman. That would have been cool. And the, the fact that we saw, got the shots for it, uh, that we got the the video and photo evidence of it. I'm now super <laughs> I'm now super looking forward to just seeing him in the flash. I think that with all the positive hype around this film, you know, I think that people have turned around on this film. Maybe not necessarily for Ezra Miller. Everybody's been raving about how amazing the Flash movie is, and I really do hope it holds up because it's essentially going to be the uh, the tentpole, and it's going to be kickstarting, rebooting the DCEU as we know it moving forward. So that being said, I think now it's finally time to talk about the YouTube video of the week. I had to kind of go back and look. I always do this. I don't ever look at the videos in my watch later list. I should make a list of those. Because I feel like sometimes my watch later list has a better sort of selection that I can go from. But then I looked at sort of my history and videos that I had watched that weren't on my watch later list. And I remember I watched one on Anthony Padilla's channel. You know, former Smosh Boy, Anthony Padilla, who sort of does this like interview uh, channel. And he did, it's his I Spent a Day With uh, sort of stick that he sits down and he has a chat with... Uh, you know, certain famous people or internet celebrities, maybe even real celebrities from around the internet. And this week, I watched one where he interviewed the creator of the Backrooms, Kane Pixels, uh, which was in a like a 20 to 25 minute video where he just touched on his working pro- process, talked about his upbringing, and talked about sort of the way he that he put together the Backrooms and now how he is involved in the production of the A24 produced backrooms project and how he also sort of sees the backrooms as a television show that's 
sort of an add-on or a sequel to the movie that he's working on. So it's cool that he's sort of seeing this pro- progress or this the process of this uh, picture not only through YouTube, because he says he's going to continue to do YouTube even if he does make it big in Hollywood or whatever. But this kid's only 17. Let's keep that in mind. This was a 17-year-old kid who, at the age of 15 or 16, released this project, completed in Blender. He taught himself Blender. He taught himself visual effects. He's been doing it for for years. He's been creating since, like, the age of six. And uh, now he's working on... He's directing his first Hollywood film being produced by A24. Like, I, that's amazing. And he's, a, and he's a Canadian boy. He's a Canadian boy as well. That's also really cool. So, repping Canada right now. That's all I really had to discuss about this. Go check that out. I will put a link to that video in my description if you guys are interested in that. I would also want to put a link to the back of the original Backrooms video, the found footage video. I can't recommend that enough. That's one of the coolest videos I think I've seen in the last five years. Uh, from an indie developer, like an indie found footage, sort of like creepypasta ARG experience. You guys should really check it out. Let's go and talk about the poll that I produced from last week. Last week, I asked you guys, following Echo, should Marvel Studios shows on Disney Plus embrace the binge watch model by releasing all their episodes at once? So I got a pretty positive response to this. 75% of you said yes. 25% of you said no. Uh, and I think it's because you guys are just more willing to get all of it up front because waiting a week can sometimes be like agonizing. Um, but then you think about a show like She-Hulk where waiting a week just kind of left you with sort of lofty uh, results uh, compared to something like, I don't know, WandaVision or even Fal- Loki or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which those early Disney Plus hits, there was real quality in those week-to-week episodes, whereas there's certain shows more recently, I think She-Hulk would have benefited from being a fully binge-watched model show. And that's not to say that with the upcoming releases of Loki, uh, as well as Echo, that they have more faith in Loki than they would Echo. That's not the case. They're just testing out the model of of binge-watch material. And I think there's some shows that can benefit better from that than others, I don't necessarily think it's a knack against the character of Echo and thinking that she's less worthy of stretching out over a number of weeks. But we'll see how it goes. Maybe Marvel is going to test it, and if they appreciate it, they might do more shows like that. And it might give more breathing room between shows and movies on Disney+. Plus. That being said, um, let's talk about what the poll question is for this week. You guys would know... I want to know, did you enjoy the PlayStation Showcase? I'm not asking you guys about to tell me your favorites, but you can if you want in the comments. Let me know any standout hits, anything that you liked. But simple yes or no, did you enjoy the PlayStation Showcase? Keeping it simple this week. Question is available right now on Twitter at my personal Twitter account, at WillKey. I will discuss the results of the poll on next week's episode, so let me know your thoughts. I think for the most part, I think you guys will say that you enjoyed it. I do hope that you guys share what you guys thought about it and you know, even let me know some of your favorites. Let me know what you guys thought stood out about the PlayStation Showcase. That being said, let's go into our social uh, wrap-up. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news pieces, or general opinions on anything I find interesting. If you want to follow me on social media, here's a couple of places to do so. On Twitter, at Podcast Outbreak, 
You can follow me on my personal Twitter account, which is at WillKey on TikTok. I did say last week that I produced a video about liminal spaces. It's still up there. It's got about 800 views and it's got about 30 likes. Pretty cool. I actually think that's really cool. But I am planning to produce more TikTok videos. So keep tabs on me over on TikTok at William Outbreak. You can also use William Outbreak on, at, on Redbubble to search up my store, which you can find three distinct designs. One that is my face with over top of a rainbow that says I have the song on Rock Band. You can find the podcast logo at Classic. Everybody should get the podcast logo in multiple colors. Uh, stand, in, of course, next to each other in the podcast logo and show me the rainbow of colors of shirts. That'd be cool. As well now, stick on the ice, chicken, and rice. Brand new shirt design. You can get that on a shirt. You can get it on a dress. You can get it on an iPhone case, a bath mat, an apron, possibly. Anything. Anything to your heart's desire. If they were selling baby clothes, I would promote it on baby clothes, for God's sakes. I would want to see my newborn child come into the world in November in a brand new stick on the ice, chicken, and rice onesie but that ain't gonna happen because it doesn't seem like redbubble wants that for me if somebody's able to maybe 3d print it into a smaller form or maybe i'll just like put it on a sock and just put it around my kids like body that way just wrap them in a big old sock nice christmas present wrap it and put it under the tree it's a stocking stuffer <laughs> i'm treating my my unborn kid as a stocking stuffer look at me such a great dad this show is available on Anchor, anchor.fm backslash Yelbrick Podcast. The show is distributed to anywhere you listen to your favorite show, which I do hope is me. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Listen Notes. The list goes on and on and on. As you guys know, I am William Key. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next week.